All right, welcome, welcome, folks. Um, we are doing this podcast here. It's not gonna be episode such and such of the BS of the Suns podcast here. This is actually gonna be a little bit different. We are coming back at it. This is like the third or fourth time that we've had uh, had him on, but. The basketball world is more focused on actual women's basketball right now. It's a little different. You got Team USA, you got some free agency, um, which is all centered around Phoenix, ironically, right now with Eric Bledsoe. But we're going to switch it up. We're going to talk WNBA playoffs, which uh, are going to be starting actually tonight here, recording this Wednesday night for you guys to listen here uh, on Thursday. Some playoff action. The Mercury start on Friday, actually. But the four series, we have uh, two starting tonight, and then we have two going into tomorrow. Nate Parham of Swish Appeal and Golden State of Mind jumping on to talk women's hoops. Um, we're going to have Ann Myers Drysdale. I did an interview with her. That'll come on following our conversation here. So if you want to talk or listen to Ann Myers talk about just a lot of different things, more broad terms, as well as some playoff talk, you know, listen on. It'll be uh, right after talking to Nate here. But Nate, thanks for jumping on. It's late here on a Wednesday night. WNBA playoffs starting tomorrow. Are you, are you kind of getting excited? Yeah, I think you got to get excited for the playoffs. I think, uh, a lot of teams are back to full health, and I think it'll be uh, probably more competitive than we saw in the regular season. So before diving into who's going to win the the whole thing and going into the playoffs and breaking that down, let's kind of put a little bit of a reflection on the season, and, and we did that a little bit. I participated in your guys' uh, work there at Swish Appeal with putting together the awards, and mm-hmm. we were talking before we came on. I thought that I was going to be this major outlier with my opinion, especially being the guy in Phoenix. That's probably more why. Yeah. Uh, being the guy <laughs> being the guy in Phoenix that voted Maya Moore as, as who I thought was the MVP of the season, but that ended up being almost the consensus. There was a few votes for Diana Taurasi, and then the rest were for Maya Moore. With the awards and with everything that went down, Like, what, what were you the most surprised about with like the Swish Appeal consensus awards, and uh, what were your thoughts overall? Uh. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think there was any major surprises. I think uh, you know there, there was a vote for Sandra Little uh, out of all all WNBA. That was a little bit surprising, um, but otherwise, I think you know I think this year was pretty. Although there were tight races, I think they were pretty. Uh, they were pretty clear favorites. Um, you know, I think the MVP with Maya Moore, she's just had an insanely good season. I think that that was your comment. I mean, this has just been an otherworldly season. Uh, you gotta look at what she's done, what she's helped the Lynx do despite all their injuries. Uh, and I think that she was a clear choice. I think Sinead Gumake, uh has just been more consistent this season than some of the other rookies, uh, which made her a clear choice, although you were the outlier pick there. Uh, Coach of the Year, uh, Brundello, uh, for the reasons you said, I think being able to keep a team together to get the most wins of all time, uh, that's obviously impressive, uh, even though I... Uh, I thought Mike Tebow did a very good job in Washington. Uh, I totally understand you you go with the coach who made the history. And, you know, everything else was sort of, uh, I think, you know, defensive player of the year, Brittany Griner, most improved player, Skylar Diggins. I I think everything is just, uh, in the end, despite some debates during the season, I think everything was pretty clear for us. Yeah, yeah, I mean the consensus with Ali Quigley as being the sixth woman of the year and that's that's kind of a weird award. It almost comes down to just who is the most impactful player off of the bench, which I know that's right. kind of simp- is simplifying what the award is, but 
at the end of the day, it just comes down to who gets buckets off the bench because most WNBA teams, they have their five set players. They rotate in two to three players off the bench. But overall, it's like you have your five best players and you just have some other players coming off the bench. But Allie, like we've seen with Dewana Bonner in the past and a few other players kind of showed what she can do uh, this season with the only player averaging double digits. And, you know, we mentioned Brondello. That's the funny thing with coach of the year. It's the same thing with the NBA where you go, is it the coach that got the most out of his team, the coach that broke records the coach that did the most with the least as you mentioned with the um the washington mystics you know with that coach over there there's a lot of different ways you can go with a lot of these awards but um, i think overall like kind of looking at the way that the voting went with the panel that we have over here which is uh not necessarily the the wnba panel and we'll see how the official awards come down but i think it'll be pretty pretty much on point with all that except for my kayla mcbride for rookie of the year (laughs) yeah oh you know i mean i understand your argument there about uh you know, clearing, looking for a winner, and there just weren't winners. Uh, the two best rookies were on non-playoff teams, so uh, McBride was the next best and on a playoff team. So, you know, that argument's been used before. I think Okwumike, just down the line, is just going to be a much better player, and Sims has already shown that she's going to be a star. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I almost, with that award, wanted to take it in a completely different direction and give it to Skylar Diggins, um, just basically because this rookie class was kind of underwhelming. It was it was a good group <laughs> overall, and Skylar Diggins just had such a ho-hum. We talked about it before, just such a pedestrian rookie year for supposing hey. to be a star, and then this year, just, I mean, having an absolutely fantastic uh, sophomore year. Same with Brittany Griner, but Skylar Diggins basically is that player that what most thought she was going to be as a rookie, and uh, that Tulsa shock, I mean, we, we saw how many Minnesota grew with top pick after top pick after top pick. I mean, they they might be that team a few years down the road with the way they're stockpiling talent. Right, right. I, I think it's just a matter of getting. Uh, they they probably they're probably at the point where they need a veteran uh, to to help them out. Uh, just in, and a, a defender, an offensive veteran will be great for them. Uh, just to give them a little bit more experience, some more leadership, and uh, push them over the edge. Yeah, it's it's hard to steal talent in the WNBA. It's a much different free agency and trade market than like with the NBA right. where it's very much just like just a lot of hustle and bustle with the WNBA. I mean, we've seen it this year. Tarazi, Bonner, Dupree, um, all of them all signing extensions just with the Mercury in general in the past year and a half. So mm-hmm. players stay home. Um, they don't really travel. They don't really you know move around. You, you don't really see big free agent acquisitions or huge major trades in the WNBA. Right. And then, you know, the money is such that there's, uh, it's not a lure, right? I mean, the money is, is generally, uh, so close together and the, the gap between the most and least is such, so, so much different than it is in the NBA. And, uh, you're limited by that as well. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that, that establishes some continuity, which I think is actually good, but you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't create that off season buzz, uh, for the WNBA much. And, and so going along with that, as we said before, the Tulsa Shock might be a decent team like as the years progress and they might become one of the Minnesota Lynx, Phoenix Mercury, three to four all-star type team uh, here in a few years. But those teams exist and that's why they're in the playoffs. And you have teams, you know, out east, it's we'll, we'll get there in just a moment. But out west, I, I don't know if you just the way I look at it. I'm a big fan of what San Antonio can do. Like I like the the potential of what that team can be at their apex and, and with the way they play the game. Um, they they were the probably the team that challenged the Phoenix Mercury the most this season in general. Overall, they only team to knock them off at home. Took them to OT a few times. Um, just a, a kind of a tough, scrappy team. But so we start getting into the playoff matchups, and let's start off with uh, with here on Thursday. 
We have Minnesota and San Antonio, uh, that series, which I think most people are assuming that Minnesota is going to take care of business and, you know, get back to where they should be, which is the Western Conference Finals. But starting off with that series, like what are your overall thoughts looking at it and maybe an X factor when you're looking at the way that series could swing? Uh, you know, I think with Minnesota, the big question, you know, they're coming in having lost, you know, three of the last four. Uh, and I think the big deal with them is they're just getting healthy at the end of the season. Uh, and even then, Augustus missed a game in there. So I, I think, you know, the X factor really is, I, I think, still about whether or not, uh, what Brunson is going to be able to give them, if she's going to be able to con- continue to find her rhythm this season, because it's been a, a bit of a down season for her. Uh, both in terms of her involvement offensively and her rebounding output. So, you know, she's going to be a big difference maker in this series. Uh, obviously, you have more, but then, you know, who else is going to step up to score for them? Uh, and if they get hot from, you know, especially if they get hot from the three-point line hotter than they've been, uh, that could make a huge difference for them. San Antonio is a team that, I mean, lives by the three-point shot, and McBride being one of them. But, you know, McBride, Hammond, Adams, those three really – are their big three-point producers, and they're a team that, you know, they, if they get really hot, uh, you know, when they go home for game two, if they get really hot, it's Hammond's last game at home, possibly. Uh, you know, you could imagine them pushing to three, but uh, I, I just think against a team like Minnesota that can defend the three, and they've been defending the three a lot better the second half of the season, uh, it's, it's just going to be hard for them to, hard for San Antonio to, to beat uh, Minnesota twice in three games uh, without home court advantage, especially. Yeah. So I think Minnesota will probably be taking that one and, and, th- and that's kind of why you just you have to lean towards minnesota this is the team i don't know was, for some reason when i watch san antonio play and maybe it's because they test the mercury the most this season and, and th- those are the games that i'm watching and i'm going wow this is a team that can really test them but could just be a matchup uh situation there where they have quick guards they have some bigs that can really make uh, griner have to do some different things so therefore they can be in more competitive games with the mercury where other teams don't necessarily have those pieces Um, going against Minnesota, that may not be the biggest benefit in the world. Cause when you look at what makes Minnesota so special is they have quality, competent bigs and just an amazing, great backcourt. So they can kind of go out there and counteract something with someone like Daniel Adams, who I think is, you know, a, you know, fringe all-star star type player when she's on, she's really dynamic and fun to watch. Um, yeah, so to me, she's the X factor in it. I mean, we saw with this season, with the series between those two teams, I mean, San Antonio can score on them. They they won the last game of the series. I think they got at least 72 or more in every single game. So, you know, they're, they're a team that can score on Minnesota, but Minnesota doesn't hang their hat on defense necessarily. So you know, a lot of teams score on them, but they got to get stopped every now and then. And Maya Moore is just kind of on a mission this year. Maya Moore and, you know, Augustus being back. I mean, it's just there's so many weapons there. Uh, McCarville being a passer in the high post. And so they spread the floor differently than San Antonio. San Antonio can just put, you know, they can put three or four three-point shooters out there, spread you out, move the ball. They move the ball extremely well and, you know, just move it in and get open shots that way. But you're right, defensively they haven't been that good. And part of it is, uh, you know, they've been better rebounding, but part of it is uh, a matter of defending those perimeter shooters, and that's been a bit of a problem for them. So Minnesota, I think, just, just it's, a, it's a bad match, and I think Minnesota has too many weapons of full strength. Yeah, and that, that's kind of where I'm going as well. Is that I have I have that being a more competitive series probably than most, thinking that we, the combination of Hammond's last game, San Antonio home court, just the mix of talent that I think San Antonio can put together. I think it goes three probably more than other people do, but you know that I think that'll be a fun series. Like to me, that's probably I don't know. I, there, there's some there's some good series out there, so I, we'll, we'll maybe we'll rank them here at the end. But that's probably like in the maybe the second or third series of the of the four there. There's one series, obviously, that we're going to talk about here in a minute that's going to be pretty fun to watch, I think. 
So the next series, so officially we're both going Minnesota on that one, it sounds right. like. And, well, there's going to be on Switch Appeal uh, today. You guys have already seen it, so if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you jump over to the website and check out the full predictions panel with uh, all the Switch Appeal guys. I know Chris Willis over there of Peachtree Hoops, myself, we all contributed on what we think is going to happen in the first round. Right. Um, so switching over to the next Thursday series, so the, the games here tonight, we have Washington, uh, the team we talked about before, with getting the most out of the least. That was the best defensive team in the WNBA this year um, by fractions of points there over the Mercury, or they would have been the best uh, defensive and offensive team. But Washington, the best defensive team this season, they're getting a lot without really having a lot on their roster. When you look at all the playoff teams, you can name two stars on every team, but when you get to Washington, you can't necessarily do that. What makes this team so competitive and dangerous in there? They they split the season series with Indiana. So what makes them a dangerous team and such a good team overall, Nate? It's you know I, I've, the reason I've, I've, I would vote Mike Tebow as coach of the year is I, it's coaching, and, and I think that the fact that he's gotten that's an extremely young team they have um, in terms of the number of minutes they give to young players. It's, it's over fifty percent, and uh, just the fact that he's been able to get those young players to get to buy in. These players playing a role. Uh, I think you know, a lot of people were thinking that by, by trading Crystal Langhorn to the Storm this this past off season that they'd be losing their uh, a major piece. But the reason that worked is because they're a guard oriented team, and I think what they did is that they committed to being guard oriented. They committed to playing in a more up tempo game, and uh, they have a number of athletic guards, and it works for them. Uh, you know, they're, they're not a perfect team. They're a team that can go through these long spells of, of missing shots. Uh, turnovers have been a major problem for them throughout the year. That's all part of being a young team, but defensively they're just they're just so outstanding. It, uh, you know, I think one of the, it's not that they force a lot of turnovers; is that they do a great job of forcing teams to play to their weaknesses, um, and that, that that just obviously it's a, it gives teams a lot of trouble. I, it, in terms of individual defenders, their post defense is outstanding. Uh, Kiavon and Stephanie Dolson is a good post center rotation defensively, and then you know they have uh, quick guards on, on the perimeter with Lada. Uh, and, and Hartley. So, you know, I, I think it's it's really it really is an issue of the the whole being more than some of the parts, but that's got to be attributed to coaching. Uh, and Tebow just has pushed all the right buttons this year with that squad. Yeah, I mean, when you look at their like again, you know, you can think of every single team, and, and you said that the Mercury are led by Tarazi, and Minnesota's led by Moore, and the the Los Angeles Sparks are led by uh, by Candace Parker, and you have catchings over with. Um, with Indiana and so on and so forth without like rattling off every single team. But every team has a star. And then you get to Washington and you go, and they have Ivory Lada, who's, who's the number one scorer. <laughs> right. who's, who's a very dynamic player, super fun to watch live. Like She's always one of my favorite you know, opposing players when they come in and they um, when they're playing the Mercury. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's unique because she's averaging 12.8 points a game. They only have two players averaging double figures. But to go back to your point there, six players averaging 22 minutes a night, basically. So they kind of rotate in. They, they keep kind of a nice balance with their roster there. It's a lot of young players and, and coaching. It's, it kind of reminds me almost of like a Rick Carlisle playoff team. If you're you know an NBA fan sure. looking for a comparison, just a guy that outcoaches the opposition. Right, and, and I and I think you know making sure that I think he does a pretty good job of putting his players in positions where their weaknesses are are, are sort of hidden a little bit. And I think you know it's just it's a it, it's a differently. And we can talk more about Brondello when we get to Phoenix. I think it's it was a differently masterful job this year of coaching by Tebow, and um, different than Brondello. And I, I think that's uh, you know it's it's fun to watch in that you kind of think like you're saying they don't have stars, they have a lot of young players. They make a ton of mistakes, and somehow they're always there at the end of the game. So then it comes down to, 
you know, play calling and, and the chess match of, of basketball coaching. But I, I think he's done a phenomenal job, and he has to be their MVP this year, you know, especially the way they allocate minutes. I mean, he's just uh, – the question for them is moving forward, what do they do, what kind of pieces do they add now? Uh, they're in a weird spot of still being a young team at the, the middle of the conference, maybe at the bottom if you look at teams at full strength. Uh, so they have a lot of questions, I think, moving forward this offseason. But this season is it's a great move forward for them. And one thing to look out for in that game that I kind of noticed when doing research on that series is Tamika Catchings only played in one of the games. We all know that she mm-hmm. didn't play the entire season, but it was probably one of, not her worst game, but it was one of her worst games of the season, shooting 4 for 14, 11 points, Indiana lost by 13+. plus. There, there was other mm-hmm. factors in the game, of course, but when you look at, again, talking about the star and then a way a defense can make you play to your weaknesses and kind of right. take you out of your game, I mean, Indiana goes as Catchings goes, as we saw as the season got the season got dramatically better for that team once she came back and she was on the court. So kind of an interesting thing to watch there. So with this series in particular, are, are you leaning maybe Washington with the coaching there, or are you going to stick with Indiana? Um, I'm going to stick with Indiana. I mean, Lynn Gunn's a great coach as well. Um, you know, she's going out retiring this year, and you know, I, I think what they've done the last, you know, they won the title in 2012. Last year they got to the conference finals, uh, beat the top seed. Uh, it's the same thing. I mean, Linda just does an amazing job of taking what she's given uh, and putting people in roles to succeed. Uh, and they're a small team, you know, but catchings, having catching to the four, uh, it's just, it's such a matchup problems for most, for most teams. And they have, a, they, as they tend to have, they have a number of players who can handle the ball decently enough uh, that helps them kind of move the ball and they can shoot threes. Uh, the issue to me with them, if there's an X factor in that series, I'd say it's beyond January. She can be very up and down. She can kind of disappear in games and she can come back and play a great game. She's great defensively, uh, but I think they need her to be efficient as the point guard to, to be able to win the series. And I think in the three games, uh, having home court advantage, I think they're going to they're gonna take it in three games, I'd say. Yeah, we keep talking about players that I'm huge fans of when they come to Phoenix and I get to watch them in January is one of them as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just right, like, yeah. that's a Arizona little, State product, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, she's yeah. one of those just is just a really fun player to watch and especially how she kind of evolved with the beginning of her career and, and where she's at right now um, with her mm-hmm. career overall. So, sw- and I'm I'm on the same page with you with Indiana. I'm just going to go out there and say Indiana comes out of the East um, since we're talking about that group there. I mean, 07 they face the Mercury in the WNBA Finals. Like you said, 2012 they win it, 2013 they lose it. So, or they go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's, I mean, this is a team that's built for success. They're coached well. They have one of the top, you know, consistently three to five players in the league in catchings. You know, sometimes she's the best, depending on what else is going on. Um, but, and, you know, perennial MVP candidate always makes you good. Um, and right. having really good right. coaching as well. So right. let's switch over to staying in the East now. Um, the East is, it's kind of a weird conference because it's a bunch of teams with very similar records, with very mm-hmm. similar seasons in terms of like, you know, high peaks and then low lows. And, and then at the end of the day, they all ever ended up being like average about 500 kind of clubs. Chicago and Atlanta, those were supposed to be the best two teams. They were supposed to fight it out with 20 plus wins and, and kind of be those two teams out in the East, like Minnesota and Phoenix were in the West. They had weird seasons though, and they collide in the playoffs here. What, what are your thoughts on this series getting started? I mean, Chicago is a complete wild card. I, I think with Chicago, you know, Deladon was out, Fowl started the season out, Prince started the season out, Vandersley's been out for weeks. Uh, so they're literally just now at full strength, uh, for, like for the first time, uh, with all those players coming in and out. So, you know, I, I think we don't, it's really hard to say, and also, you know, it's worth mentioning, you know, Deladon with her Lyme, dealing with Lyme disease, 
still isn't entirely at full strength in terms of her conditioning. And so I, I think it's, you know, when you have a player like Deladon, that's that's an obvious an obvious game changer. I mean, she'd be an MVP candidate if it wasn't for the fact that she missed games. And uh, you know, I think uh, she, she's a, she's obviously a problem. The issue to me though is, you know, the reason they lost to to Indiana last year in the first round was Indiana just killed them on offense, and they just could not keep up with their guards. Indiana spread the court, and it was just a matter of you know pass cut, pass cut, and, and Chicago struggled to keep up. Chicago's a little bit quicker this year on the perimeter with Jameer Faulkner there. Uh, Jessica Breland helps a lot inside defensively, uh, and so I think against Indi- against Atlanta, a team that can't really shoot, I think Chicago could overwhelm them and actually get the upset and move on. Uh, but it's it's kind of we just don't know enough about what that team's going to look like and how the Van- how well Vanderslew is going to play, uh, just coming back into action. So uh, I expect it to be an interesting series. It, it, I think it could be really. It could be really bad. <laughs> uh, it could be really ugly basketball, but it could also be a fun up and down series. Atlanta with Angel McCutcheon, you just never know what you're going to get with her. I mean, she's going to she can change games defensively uh, in a way that few players at her position can. Uh, so, uh, I think I'm actually I'm actually leaning towards Chicago there. Uh, but I mean, people have counted out Atlanta before, and that's been a mistake year after year. So, uh, it'll be an interesting one to see how it turns out. Yeah, Atlanta is you know. Kind of, kind of one of those teams like Indiana, where and same thing maybe with Chicago this year. It's like, well, at their peak, they could be really good and, and they can right. win a lot of games. They can do a lot of things. But if they hit their low, like we've seen them hit their low, I mean, it's, it's kind of fun because if you look at this team and think, hey, full strength, both teams clicking. You have McCautry versus Deladon. You have D'Souza or D'Souza. I'm bad with names. Sorry, guys. You guys know with Goran Dragic that I'm really bad with names. Um, and, and you know Sylvia Foles, you have Epiphany Prince, you have Shoni Schimmel. So I mean, you got these matchups like crossing in between where you can go. This could be really fun, but as you mentioned before, and as we've seen throughout the season, for anybody that watches the WNBA, these teams have not done that. They haven't been very consistent. So hopefully, we get more of like the full strength, fun three games. So I think this series could easily be the worst series in the first round, just in terms of watchability. But then it could turn around and be maybe the best or second best with the kind of the talent that they each team could throw out there. Right. And you know, in, in Atlanta went through this. Their slump this season was basically, you know, Michael Cooper went out uh, for health reasons. Uh, and I think you know, losing your head coach for a while is just—it's a tough thing to, to deal with in basketball. And I think that's probably—I think you could point to that as much as anything else uh, for their slump. But you know, they—they—they're also just a team. Atlanta is a team that just doesn't have a whole lot of outside shooting. But that's where Shoni Schimmel comes in. She seems to love big moments, and Atlanta seems to rely on her. Uh, her minutes gone up and down this season, but Atlanta seems to love relying on her when they need some when they need a boost. And you know, if there was any player in the playoffs that was going to come in, and you could imagine fearlessly changing her team's fortunes, it would be Shoni Schemmel. So uh, she has some defensive issues, but we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, but she has some All Star game not issues. So um, yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she's 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 a fun player to watch. But in the it's like um you know almost like Jason Williams of the early two thousands Kings, where it's like a guy that can you can throw him out there in a environment that's not structured and he's amazing. And then in an NBA game, he's just kind of another good player. Um, yeah, and that one I actually I went Chicago in that series, like in our official predictions that that went up there. So I went Chicago in that one just mainly because I was I my thought was it's going three games and who do I trust more in terms of like 
the star that I think can rise above and do it. And you mentioned with Makatra, you never know necessarily what you're going to get. And Deladon has a chance to be the best player in the world once, you know, if she can get her health under control, which is not in her control. But if she right. can be healthy all the time, she could be the best player in the world every year for the next, you know, eight to ten right. years if she wanted. Exactly. Okay, exactly. so let's switch over to the series that matters, uh, at least on a, a <laughs> Phoenix-based website. Uh, so I think that this could be, I think it's going to be a quick series. So, like, disclaimer, yeah. I think this is going to be the funnest two-game series in, in the first I, round. But, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, but Phoenix Mercury, Los Angeles Sparks, I'll let you start off with that one as well, with, like, your just basic initial thoughts on how the series is going to get started. Uh, first off, Candace Parker missing a lot at the end of the season there. Yeah. Are they going to have her at full strength for this series? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a knee issue, and I, I think that's just one of those things that's kind of, it looks like it's kind of been lingering. Uh, but, you know, at this point, if you're Candace Parker, you got a ton to prove. You know, you, you went out in the first round last year. You still haven't made a final. Uh, I mean, I, I just think that's not going to matter right now. She's got basically, like you're like you're saying, she's got two to three games to, to get her team in the next round, and I, I just don't think that there's any time for excuses. Uh, but, you know, what LA, if Chrissy Tolliver gets hot, LA can beat just about anybody. Uh, they have some defensive, defensive issues. They have some redundancy issues. Uh, Lindsey Harding, their point guard, just hasn't played well this year at all. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's just one of those things where they're, it seems like their focus wavers sometimes. They, they get, they get into these modes where they hit a few shots and they get kind of loose, loosey goosey, like what happened against the Mercury that time with Ryan or Dunn. You know, LA gets a few shots in a row. They get, they start celebrating it really loosely, goosey, and then suddenly grinders dunking on them. They get demoralized and they fall apart and lose. And, and that's just kind of their whole season has just been this up and down, inconsistent, emotional roller coaster. And uh, if they can stay focused for 40 minutes, especially on the defensive end, but also with Parker not taking a whole lot of mid-range jumpers or long twos, Tolliver uh, getting hot, they can do that, stay focused for 40 minutes. They could theoretically make this a close two games. I still just think Phoenix has too much. Uh, it will be fun. I wouldn't be surprised if that game in LA comes down to, you know, last few possessions and they sparks still get swept. So, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the star power is there. Candace Parker is one of the most watchable players in the league just because of her versatility. Uh, if you can ignore the defensive end sometimes and ignore some of the long twos and decision making. But, you know, I think that's, that's got all the makings of, a, of an entertaining one. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, when you mentioned Candace Parker, <clears throat> another Tamika Catchings type player, where like could be one of the best players in the world, but just kind of depends on what's going on that season. And you know, Candace Parker is one of the best players in the world. And, and contractually, I hate to put you on the spot with this, but it, is she sewn up or she's a free agent in the near future? Right? Yeah, she's she's a restricted free agent uh, next year. Yeah, so oh, sorry, it, free agent next year. Sorry, free agent next year. Yeah, so I mean, the like you said, the money is dollars and cents versus millions of dollars, so it's not really a, a big big thing there but you gotta wonder like with her with her career I mean she basically stepped in and took over for Lisa Leslie and hasn't produced on a winning scale like Lisa Leslie did you know with winning in the playoffs and getting two championships but overall like you gotta wonder you know is she gonna look around at the landscape of the league and go I'm gonna be one of those players as I said before it never happens but one of those players that kind of steps away and, and goes to another team where she has a chance to win you mentioned Tulsa being one of those teams that could really use a veteran you mentioned defense as well so maybe not a perfect fit but uh, could be a decent marriage there with those uh, with that kind of a group but it'd be interesting to see how Candace Parker's legacy goes down if she finishes in LA you know retires in a few years down the road but just happened to run into the Minnesota buzzsaw and then this new Phoenix buzzsaw yeah. 
and Seattle when they were hot a handful of yep. years ago. I mean, they, there's just there's so much circumstance, almost like like the Mavericks and the Kings in the early 2000s. If you're an NBA fan, to kind of relate to it, where you go, that's a championship caliber team. They can do that. But darn, they ran into the Lakers, the Spurs. Like right. these teams all just happened to come around during their time frame and their window just closed. Or better, I mean, Patrick Ewing is another example. Yeah, you know, just, he runs into the, he just ran into every dynasty, you know. And uh, you know, those Houston teams were great as well. That he ran into. So I think, you know, Parker. I, I think you know the, the flip side of that issue is with the, if the Sparks lose in the first round again this season, uh, they're going to have a coaching decision to make at the end of this year, and losing to two straight years, first round, they're going to have to start to think about, do we blow this up? Do we trade Parker to get most the most value we can out of her? Or trade Ogumake or do something? they got to do something there. Uh, Parker or Ogumake, Parker and Ogumake are both fours. They can't play five. They can't play three. And that's their biggest problem. And it's because you can't really... You want both of those players in your court because they're your best players. But when they do it, there's always defensive problems. There's always offensive spacing issues. And it's just... Uh, it's not working. I mean, at some point, at some point, you just have to decide this isn't going to work. We're going to have to take a loss and try to shake things up to make it work. So uh, their off season will be fascinating. Uh, I can't imagine them coming back with the same squad uh, because, especially you know, you lose, you get swept uh, first round. Now you're just going backwards. Yeah, and with, with the Mercury, that was what they were facing a few years ago, where the, yeah. a lot of their best players were in similar positions or, or had similar skill sets and. They kind of, you know, happened into, you know, Penny getting hurt and then Diana getting hurt. And then all of a sudden you have Brittany Griner on your team. So it, it kind of glued everything together and, and, and allowed them to reach this pinnacle of where they're at right now. So let's let's talk about the Mercury. They have sure. MVP candidate in Diana Taurasi. Wouldn't shock me if she won it at all, even though my vote goes right. Maya Moore. They right. have hands down. There's not even a conversation. Brittany Griner is the defensive player of the year. Um, yep. Probably the best defensive season in the history of the WNBA. A lot of people could probably argue Penny yeah. Taylor's back. They have Dupree. They have Bonner. They're doing a lot of good things. Aaron Phillips is a sixth woman off the bench there. They they have this squad put together. How does the how do the Sparks match up? Because we see this the Mercury swept them during the regular season, but the Sparks were able to get some points on them, make some close games overall. Roster wise, you're not feeling a good matchup for the for the Sparks in terms of this series. Like I think, like with San Antonio, San Antonio matches up very well against the Mercury and has a chance to actually knock them off. They they land the Sparks, which might be the best first round opponent that they can get based on the playoff teams. Right, uh, you know the the Sparks problem. This was the problem last year. I picked the, I picked the Mercury to be the Sparks first round last year as well. The Sparks problem is they they can't guard that Mercury bar, backcourt. Um, you know, no matter what combination they put out there, uh, if you if you're going to start with with Tolliver, Tolliver's going to have to guard someone she can't guard, and. Uh, it, it pretty much goes downhill from there. Uh, same thing with, you know, their their perimeter defense issues are less pronounced there uh, in this matchup, but still someone's going to have to guard Bonner. And if Bonner, you know, Bonner's been a more controlled offensive player, uh, but, you know, that, that they're going to, Mercury can spread the court on them, and that means they're going to have to put a Neko woman care, Candace Parker on someone guarding the perimeter. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's not a good situation for the Sparks at all. Um, obviously, defensively, Griner is the type of player who pushes teams into shooting uh, more mid-range jumpers, and that's uh, a bad habit of the Sparks sometimes. Uh, so it just, you know, it just can't. It's one of those things where you look at every position there, every every area of the court, and it's just nothing favors the Sparks there uh, to to the extent that they'd win. 
Uh, yeah. And that well, you, that yeah. you mentioned like the long jumpers with with what Griner does, you know, forcing teams to shoot out there. It's kind of a fool's gold, and this goes back to the coaching, as you mentioned before, with Brondello versus Washington, where Brondello coached in a masterful way this year. It was a little different because she had all the talent in the world, so the results aren't as surprising. But Brondello, with the way she coaches and used Brittany Griner, was hey, if they come inside, you're going to clean it up, but. We're going to make teams think that this shot, this 18-foot jumper, is their window to being able to you know, l- limit you on the defensive end and make you take you out of the game. But they're going to go out there and hit a couple, but then that's the most inconsistent shot in the world for any basketball league. Right. So teams are going to go out there and miss a lot of long twos. Eventually, they're going to want to start bringing it in. Like we mentioned with the Sparks before, they hit a couple of jumpers. They got up early on the Mercury, and then the Mercury just kind of tightened it up and then said, all right, keep shooting jumpers, and they ended up missing a lot of those. So... It's one of those things yeah. that Griner does where when you have Parker or Agunike, whoever she's guarding, where they can go out there and they can do some really great things, but with both of them being fours, neither of them being natural fives, they're shooting a lot of jumpers, and Griner says, when you come in here, I'm going to clean it up. When you go out there, we're going to take what you're going to give us with those 18-foot jumpers. Kind of plays into the Mercury style, allows them to run, and it's part of the reason why their defense is so great. It's almost like leaving people open and letting them shoot is right. kind of what has allowed them to be such a great defensive team this year. Yeah, and, and and this, you know, and, and Bonner deserves some credit out there, um, just in her ability to, to pressure guards with her length. Uh, you know, and then everybody else kind of just, <laughs> when you got when you have a six four Bonner out there in the front, and you have Grindburn to the basket. You know, it makes everybody else's job. If they can play discipline, help defense. It makes everybody else's job easier. And I think Dupree's someone who's benefited from that, um, especially. And uh, they're just they're they're a tough team. You know, Dupree kind of gets lost in this team uh, because everybody else gets so much attention. Uh, with with Taraz and Grant getting so much attention, you know Bonner is a bit more of a of a defensive presence than Dupree in terms of where she's guarding people. And Dupree just quietly goes about her business and does a great job. And you have to account for her. You know you have to account for her. She's just so good off the ball as a as a big player uh, that you know she she causes teams problems if you try to over over guard you know Taraz or Griner. So it's a uh, it's unfortunate for the Sparks because I think they're in a spot where they need a series. They need to advance badly, uh, just in terms of the direction of their franchise, and it's probably not going to be that this year. So, yeah, I mean, you have the you have the two stars in Tarazi and Griner, um, as we mentioned, and they're two different ways that they lead this team. But then, sandwiched in the middle are it, you know. Diana Tarazi has called her, and it, it's it's a compliment to her teammate, probably an over exaggerated compliment, but I get where she's coming from, saying that basically Dewana Bonner's been Scottie Pippen for this team this year, where she goes out there and she goes, "Hey, look, I know I can get twenty, but I'm gonna go out there and guard the best player out there, and right. if someone else gets hot, I'll switch over to them." And she's been tremendous on defense. I wrote about that early in the season. I noticed that change in the first like three four games of the season, where she right. went out there and she just used her length and quickness and said, "I'm gonna be a defensive stopper." Like that's. That's my role. Right. We have enough scoring on this team. We need someone to do these things, and I can do them, so I'm going to go do them. And then you have Dupree, who quietly put together, it wasn't her best statistical season, but you'd have your high highs with like 20 points, 18 rebounds, and you'd have your consistency of like 10 points, 8 rebounds, kind of like low-key stuff. So she was she was always consistent. She was always smooth. And then you have Penny Taylor, who comes back this year to be Penny Taylor, basically, and that that glue in the middle, those three players who could easily be on other teams and be either Batman or Robin in some respects on other teams that aren't in the playoffs, but they kind of accepted the role that they're in. They've kind of bonded into it really early, and that's what makes this team so special is you have those three players in the middle that could be stars elsewhere that just bonded together and said, all right, what do you need us to do, coach? And we're going to go do that at the highest level possible. Yeah, and, and also the move of Tarazi to point guard or something, and Tarazi is probably best ball handling season of her career. I mean, it, it was... 
Yeah, I think when you, again, when, you talk, when I talked about TV, I mentioned pushing the right buttons, but Brondello did the same thing. Uh, I, you know, I think, you know, the thing you didn't mention about Bonner is, you know, Bonner also changed her habits offensively. You know, I think she really, uh, she cut down on some of the, I'm just going to toss up threes unconsciously stuff. You know, it, it was sort of, she really embraced a role kind of uh, complimenting her other, her teammates. And that was, uh, that was a big, that was a big thing for them. Tarazi playing point guard well is a big thing. Griner um, going out and trying to rebound a little bit better was a big thing. And, you know, Brondello just got everything out of every player that she could. And, uh, you know, their bench, uh, their bench is, you know, it can sometimes be an issue for them. But I, I think for the most part, like you, I think, like you said before, their, their top five to seven is, is good enough to play with anybody in the league. And, you know, you have to consider them the favorite to go to the finals. But, you know, Minnesota will be an interesting match, I hope, in the West Conference Finals. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm hoping that's a nice, solid three-game series and we get a lot of good basketball out of that one. And I don't want to talk too much about this because I'm going to put enough words about it together here eventually. I've been writing an article about Tarazi lately that I've been putting together slowly that she is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong with being someone out there in California, but she is everything what she's done the last few years of her career, just the last two specifically. She's everything that a superstar, number two scorer in the history of the game is that most people kind of wanted or want Kobe Bryant to have been the past four to five years. A guy that he's a shooting guard, but you can put the ball in his hands and let him create. He could fill up the box score. He could be the best passer on a playoff caliber team like this but he chooses to be the guy that shoots the ball 30 times a night. So she's she's kind of slowly evolved and become everything that I think most people in L.A. wish Kobe Bryant would have been the last four to five years of his career. You're asking the wrong person about the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll just co-sign, yes, Tarazi. I'd take Tarazi over, over Kobe. I just I, I like I like the maturity of her career where I I mean, she with yeah. the cachet she has and, the, and what she's done in this league, she could easily go out there and go, look, Sandy, coach, whatever you want me to call you, uh, that's cute that you want to put me at the point, but I'm going to go ahead and shoot the ball 25 times right. a night because that's what I do, and I've won championships that way. She could have right. done that, she very easily could have done that, but no, she went right. out there and had some games where she'd have just a handful of points in the in the first half and then do what she needed to do in the second half, but was focused on facilitating, trusted her teammates. That's the big thing. Is she, just, she trusts yeah. her teammates at a level that most you know number two scorers in the history of the game would probably never do. And, and having that, being able to balance the passing and the scoring is something that I think is she's done a remarkable job of this year and done it efficiently. And I think that's it's really the season she put together is really, really tough to put together. And that's why it's unfortunate that I I think that Maya Moore had such a great season that you know Tarazis might get lost and won't might not get rewarded. Uh, one of these two seasons is not going to get rewarded with the MVP, and that's just a shame. I think Tarazis done a great job. Uh, running point. I always thought she could run point for a team like this, and I think this year uh, the way she's done it is good. I, I, I would be interested to know how Phoenix fans feel about the technicals and some of the complaints the refs. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't know if people want to put that into an MVP conversation, but uh, I will say that as a non-Mercury fan, that's that gets grating sometimes. So, uh, but aside, that aside, the actual basketball is great. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you how the fans react in the arena. When they're winning the games, they laugh it off and think that it's cute and funny and it's passionate. And when they're losing games, they hate it so much. They just so so much hate towards the technicals and the way she acts and like kind of the childish stuff that you mentioned that she can have with the referees. I mean, 
it's sitting sitting live at games, you get to see more than what the camera shows. And there's so many times where the, the referee of choice in that game that is not on her good side will be the closest referee to her, and the whistle gets blown, and she rolls the ball three quarters of the court to somebody else to to not give the ball to that person. And it's just, I mean, she does she does so many little things that aren't necessarily caught on TV. Where it's again, I I don't think you're gonna find a WNBA player closer to that Kobe Bryant mentality and skill and and what they do that just it's just so it's just such a nice little neat perfect comparison where you don't have to do much work to kind of put it together right, really right. yeah <laughs> um, no, i mean it's, it's fair to say she's a copy of the wnba i think that's perfectly fair so like we're looking at this series we're thinking we both think mercury quickly so we're mercury yeah, links mercury too. yeah mercury links collision i think could be really fun i think mercury san antonio in the second round would be more fun for me personally because i just happen to like what san antonio does and i think they match up sure. well most people probably don't um they want to see this in uh, the wnba probably wants to see minnesota yeah. <laughs> um yeah and then indiana i think you did you say atlanta over chicago or did you go chicago I go Chicago. You and we so we both went Chicago. So we're both Indiana, yep. Chicago. We're both Phoenix, Minnesota. What? Who? Who gets to battle it out for five games in the WNBA Finals? If we had to just throw it out there right now, Indiana, Chicago will be really interesting. I think uh, you know Indiana destroyed Chicago last year, and I think they just outcoached them. I think Len Dunn just outcoached Philly Chapman. I, I have a hard time co- counting out Len Dunn if it's uh, if it's that if, it, if that's the matchup. So I'll, I'll go with Indiana. And then Phoenix, Minnesota, you know, I, I, we've seen what happens. Uh, a, lot, a lot of that series will, will depend on the officiating. If it's, uh, if it's the kind of we're going to let them be physical, that favors Minnesota. If it's more of a finesse game, it's going to favor um, Phoenix. But home court advantage comes into play. I think it's hard to pick against Phoenix this year with home court advantage. So I'll have to go Phoenix, Indiana. I think, I'm just, I think it probably sounds like I'm just going with you on this. Yeah, that's that's the same thing as I'm going with is is Phoenix, yeah. Indiana, and you know we'll see what like when the first round ends and we're wrong on a couple of series, and then we reconnect yeah. and we repick, then we'll we'll maybe we'll change it up. But I mean, that just it's an 07 rematch, and I, maybe I'm just too sentimental, and I'm going with uh, what the second highlight of the All Star Weekend was that catchings Tarazi, you know, no no moderator, just them two talking to each other and kind of interviewing each other. I thought that was a really cool feature that they had, and I mean, why not? Let's that, that that's the reason why I'm picking it. No basketball intel at all went into that prediction. Um, so question for you, how with this season that the Phoenix Mercury put together records broken across the board galore, would it be, is it worth rewarding this team with a defensive player of the year, MVP comeback player of the year and coach of the year? When you look at what this team put together with Tarazi, Griner, Penny Taylor and Sandy Brondello respectively winning those awards, would that, would that be a satisfactory thing for this? I mean, Maya Moore or Tarazi is going to get slighted at the end of the day as the MVP, but the rest of the awards probably seem pretty realistic for this team. Right. Well, comeback is our, is our made-up Swisher Field Award. It's a real <laughs> so, award. It's a real award. <laughs> okay, it's a real award. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, it seems like the Mercury players are saying this, you know, the championship is the real award. No, well, it, it let me, not to, not to cut you off there, but Diana Tarazi doesn't say the C word. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, sorry. She doesn't say the C word. Um, they have bigger goals, we'll say that. Um, I think that it would it would be it's always worth giving a team that's won this much and been this dominant as much credit as you can uh, individually. I think uh, I don't think anybody could be upset if they if they got Coach of the Year, MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year. I just it's, they're they're that good. Um, those players are that deserving. Uh, Brondello's that deserving as a coach. Um, so you can't really make an argument against. Uh, that's that's not something I can say every year about it. 
WNBA awards. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, they they deserve it. I think whether I think uh, Maya Moore just you know, let's put her over the top with MVP. All right, I'm copping out. I'm just co MVPs. Let's make it happen, WNBA. <laughs> you you can't. I mean, it's 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 almost. It you know, it would be an issue. This would be a, this would be if you're gonna have a co MVP possibility. This would be the perfect year to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is one of those things, and yeah. I I think I might be that guy that does this every year where I start whether it's NBA or WNBA, and I look at the seasons and I go, I just can't not reward. You know, there's always, it comes down to two, maybe. Like when it comes down to three, I think it's easier. When it comes down to two and you're just like, Maya Moore, like insanely historic things that she did with the scoring and kind of carrying that team. And then Tarazi, the transformation from amazing scorer to just all-around leader and putting together the best, you know, season in the win-wise in the history of the WNBA with that team. It's like, how can you not reward both? The, the co-MVP is a cop-out for sure, but it awards both of the players, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be the year to get that done, but let's get that know. done. WNBA voters, done. voters that be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, you know what? We went way too long, but that's what happens that's when you have do. you know basketball talk about WNBA is kind of at the forefront. Like I said, Team USA and the NBA schedule with both of us kind of scoff at because it's 82 games that are exact same thing as last year. So with some minor <laughs> tweaks and changes, right. um, it's not I the think NFL. People just- People just get bored in the summer and need to argue about something. People so. need something to talk about, which is why NBA yeah. rank is like a, a global phenomenon on ESPN <laughs> when they start ranking the players and the teams and stuff. It's just silliness. Um, yeah. All right, man. But, Nate, no, I definitely appreciate you jumping on, previewing the stuff. No we'll, we'll, we'll definitely reconnect either before the finals, maybe in the second round, depending on how the games kind of line up in our schedules. But appreciate you jumping on. So you guys will be able to listen to this on Swish Appeal, on Bright Side of the Sun. Check out the link on TuneIn. And uh, we're going to jump into the interview with Ann Myers-Drysdale that I conducted as well. So continue listening if you want to listen to a member of the Suns and the Mercury front office, a former great Ann Myers-Drysdale. <laughs> <laughs>